ladies and gentlemen, for one of the best sports podcasts in the business, subscribe on YouTube to Shaky Sports Journeys. Hi, and welcome to Shaky's Sports Journeys. Another fantastic cricket episode for you today. What I've done is, um, this is a, a special, a Sharjah Cup 97 special, and a, who better to have the next England captain and all-rounder. I welcome to the show, Mr. Adam Holyoke and Douglas Brown. Hey, Shaky, how are you? Very well, thank you. Very well. So, Dougie, you're in an interesting, uh, interesting location there. You gave me a little sneak peek, so I wouldn't mind what a look for all the viewers. Tell us where you are. Uh, okay, so I'm in the presidential suite here in uh, Zayed Stadium, Abu Dhabi. So you can see in the back, I'll take you, give you a little walk down and just show you. I think Smokey's probably played it. You played it before, Smokes? Uh, yes, I, I don't think I've... Um, I have played there, actually. I played there um, with for the... I've got no idea who I played for. But, <laughs> actually, I, I think I played for Australia. <laughs> I played oh, for Australia. I played for Australia in a game where they didn't have enough players and I had played had to play against England. So I was like, why would you pick oh, a guy who's actually got Australian, Australian as background? Yeah, to go and play in that. So I've got a questionable background as it is. Why would exactly. you just put, like, the most English person? Yeah. Anyway, I have played there, yeah, in answer to your question. Yeah, cool. No, well, it's, good. it's an amazing, amazing stadium. Incredible. Just doing a bit of... Um, a bit of work to the outfield and stuff. Obviously, it's starting to get quite hot here now, so it's a um, you know, perfect place for somebody with ginger Scottish skin to be in the middle of the desert, <laughs> 40 odd <laughs> degrees. <laughs> but you know, that skin not toughened up from the 97 with all that, uh, all that, although I know we played in the lights though, didn't we? We played at night time. <laughs> I bet that was a relief. I, I bet that I, was a relief, Dougie. I, mean, I still had factor 50 on Shaky. <laughs> 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 well, listen, we've uh, we've brought you together as you as you've said there. You're in uh, Abu Abu Dhabi, Dougie. Mister Holyoke is sitting in Australia, and I'm sitting in sunny Glasgow, Scotland. So the power of technology bringing us all together. We're here today to talk about a competition that both of you guys played in. It was the Sharjah Cup 1997 in Sharjah, UAE, and it involved four teams: England, India, Pakistan, and the West Indies. Four big countries at that time, all, you know, strong, strong squads. So what I wanted to ask you was, what was the preparation like for this tournament? I'll come to you first, Skipper. I don't think we had any, did we, Dougie? <laughs> oh, we I, did, I, we did. If you remember, we went to um, we went to uh, Lanzarote, Club La Santa. Do you remember? Oh, uh, yeah. yeah I missed the whole squad. Did you miss that? I no, missed it. No, I, I got the last... Because remember, I my pass I had passport issues. Oh yeah, I, I, had, I was still on my Australian passport, and um, I didn't have a visa to go to Spain, so I missed the first half of it, and I got the last bit. But yeah, we did. We I mean, we did have preparation, but I mean, I mean, nothing like what these days preparing for a tournament like that would be like. It was pretty. Once we got out, did we go? I think we went to Pakistan before we. That's right. I'm just coming together now. Yeah, we did have preparations. Forget what I just said. Yeah, yeah. No, we were... We, were, we went, to, um, went to Lahore and we in a couple of games. Uh, and then that was in the back of being in Lanzarote with the whole England squad had been picked for that entire winter series. So it was under-19s, 
A team, one day side test squad. And we were all there in a sort of training camp. It was um, four star hell on earth, really. So it was hard. It was a hard uh, it was a hard 10 days or whatever it was. So you were quite lucky to miss the first five. <laughs> I think so. So uh, the thing is, if you're going to ask any in-depth questions, you need to ask Dougie because I've been punched in the head 10,000 times too many, too many and I can't remember much. So um, any in-depth, in-detail questions, you need to get Doug first. <laughs> well, listen, it sounds like a decent, decent prep. You obviously went to conditions that were going to be where you were going to similar conditions to where you were going to actually play the tournament. Lahore, Pakistan wouldn't be too dissimilar. Um, selection process. What was that like, Skipper? Well, we started with a team. Uh, our first game was against India, um, who I, I'd say, let's not just get the elephant in the room out of the way. The two favourites for the tournament were India and Pakistan, who uh, basically that's their home ground. In those days, they were playing 20, 30, I don't know, 50 one-day internationals a year there. So they were, they were, it was our first time out there. Uh, I think some of us had been there with other teams, but it was the first time England had been there as a unit forever. I think since probably like 10 years before that or something like that. And um, and we just picked the team based on not much. I think a couple of warm-up games in, in Lahore. And then we that first game against India was, obviously we knew that was going to be important. And, uh, and when we won it, we just kept, keep picking the winning team. So it was as simple as the winning team stays on the table, doesn't it? So we um, we just had the same team. Unfortunately, Peter Martin, my brother, and Ashley Giles, two of the made up the squad of 14, they didn't play the whole whole tournament. And um, and that's just unfortunately it's not it's not participation sport. You're playing for your country. So we just had to pick the side that was winning. Let's go through your squad a little bit. So you were skipper. Um, I'm just going to name the squad and then we can have a chat about some of them. You had Ali Brown, who's obviously Surrey, opening opening batsman. Um, Dougie Brown, who was on his first England trip, and you gave him his uh, you gave him his debut skipper, uh, which was uh, which was nice. So I'm sure Dougie has fond memories of that. You had Robert Croft, off spinner, Mark Keelan, the all rounder, Matthew Fleming, Ashley Giles, Dean Headley. Graham Hick, what a player. The late Ben Holyoke. Uh, Nick Knight, very talented left-handed opening batsman. Peter Martin, Lancashire, Alex Stewart and Graham Thorpe. Looking at it on paper, it, it seems like there was a lot of all-rounders in there. I don't, you know, there, there was a few players, obviously, that probably could have, could have been in the mix as well. I looked at the other squads, star-studded squads. Dougie, what was your general feeling going into it? You know, you were majorly tipped as underdogs. You were not, people were not expecting you to do anything. Um, yeah, well, obviously, you, you're going in there, personally, you're going in there as a sort of a complete newbie into the England setup. And um, you're hoping that you get an opportunity to play. And, uh, and if you do play, then you get, you know, you put in a performance that sort of allows it to stack up at that, at that level. I, I didn't really, and like many of us, I didn't really think too much about any outcome. I just, all I wanted to do was just go and play. And I think the, the amazing thing about that team was, it's probably much like a, a Warwickshire team that I sort of played in. There were some great players in, in this team as it was a Warwickshire team that I played in, but actually it was a sum of the parts actually punched much harder than what, what really they should have done. 
and I think we, we got very quickly into a really nice sort of um, a really nice style of play um, and you know again the, the management as you know Smokey was was Adam Smokey whatever whatever you want to call him was was awesome at that as well but I mean it was great from from David Graveney as well you know the senior players that it just allowed everybody to sort of come together and actually go and play the way they wanted to play the way they played for the county sides and actually people recognize what what strengths individuals had maybe and then you as individuals recognize that you've also had weaknesses as well and and we got a really nice blend of of all the all the best parts of the site coming together at the right time um, again expectation wise i don't think any of us really expected that much i'm looking forward to playing and and you know being part of a, an england side which is what you know what you dream of um you know the, the top of your international game if it looks like that that's what it is and, and that was just amazing just running with every single game and just trying to give the best you got don't forget your dream should have been playing for scotland dougie oh no it was this, dream, this was my second dream, dream. this was my second dream okay second dream <laughs> okay that's fair enough just reminding just reminding you douglas that you're a, you're a scotsman scotsman at heart um adam you as captain, I've already t- I've already spoke to you about this a little bit on our our uh, our solo podcast. W- what was your what was your clear message to the boys? I got the impression that you just were a guy that just wanted people to express themselves. Um, it sounds so cliche, doesn't it, Shaky? It's um, but what I think Dougie's really summed it up. You can tell he's been he's stayed in cricket his whole career, and he's now got a high class, uh, a high profile job in cricket oh, I, don't he, I don't know about that <laughs> he, uh, he's obviously he i think his ability to um probably pick out the key reasons for the success um i think that was it was pretty eloquently put because um i mean okay i mean that that's sounding pretty arrogant because he gave me a bit of a plug there but um i think i this is contradictory because I think that cricket now is far transcended where we were. But I think one of the things which was, I think back to and, and the and times that I were involved with England after that, I feel that sometimes there were too many people, too many cooks and uh, too many cooks and not enough, well, too many Indians and not enough chiefs, you know what I mean? So or the other too many chiefs and not enough Indians. Um, I think, that one, I think we had Bum- our support staff was Bumble, Wayne Morton, the physio, David Graveney, the manager, Brian Murgatroyd, the press liaison officer, and David Lloyd, the coach. That was it. There was no, there was no mass. And David Lloyd went down sick, didn't he? He did, yeah. <laughs> so we had Wayne Morton out there hitting the catches, the physio hitting the catches. We had Grav kind of half taking the roles. And a lot of it was left to us as players to um, kind of work it out ourselves. And I think my style of captaincy, albeit, I think if you ask people from the outside, what was Adam Holyoke like as a captain, they think I was some, because of my, obviously my love of fighting, they think I was some sort of guy who stood up and um, dictated to the team. Um, I think, I don't know, Dougie might disagree with this, but I think it was the opposite. I think I asked everyone their opinions and let them um, come up with a plan. I'm not taking credit for the plan. The plan was devised by the team and I was just the figurehead who happened to get to toss the coin and speak to the cameras afterwards. So 
Um, I think that was the strength of our side was it was a, an amazing group of um, individuals who were outstanding problem solvers. So we had the problem of facing two of the best subcontinent sides in the world. And also, this is one thing which I often mention when I talk about Sharjah is these guys, I mean, we, We'd seen Tendulkar play a hundred times on TV. We'd seen Wazim Akram play a hundred times on TV. Shahid Afridi. We'd seen these guys. Ejo's army, like Saeed Anwar. They were all, like you said, megastars. With all due respect to them, they didn't even know who Adam Holyoke was, let alone the captain. <laughs> I played five. I played five one day because I was the captain of England. Dougie, they didn't know. They didn't know. They didn't know the Scotsman. Nah. They Scotsman. Mark Elam, mm, Matthew nah, Fleming. Not a clue. So they, I don't. I don't even think if they'd walked past us, they would have thought we were the dressing room attendants. So they'd have had no idea who we were, what we did, and we played them in one-off games, and we hit them with the tactic. And before they knew it, they'd lost. And then well, there was no coming back. And then we. And then fortunately, I mean, with, I think Dougie will agree with that. West Indies were probably the weaker side um, in that tournament. So you know, we just they must have happened to get. A, I don't even know how they ended up in there, but. Um, I think Pakistan and India beat each other once and um, the West Indies must have beaten one of them and, and we beat everybody. So we just all, us two happened to sneak into the final, which yeah. for the promoters of the tournament must have been a disaster. <laughs> I think we played in front of five people. Um, oh, maybe, maybe four. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Let's, get, let's, get, let's get into the tournament then. So, Dougie, debut, big debut, mm. mate. England against India. Um you know, you're going to be coming up against arguably the best player of your era as a batsman. Mm. How's your, how, how were you feeling going into the game where you said you were but you were desperate to be playing, so you couldn't ask for a better start? Skipper mm. and coach gave you gave you gave you gave you the confidence. Yeah, I mean, I, I, most people say you know you're you're nervous before you go and play, and I suppose there were there was an element of nerves, but actually they were really minimal. Because what we had done, we'd we built up this team and, and almost we were encouraged just to do what we did. It wasn't, there was nothing else expected of us other than just what we did. Uh, and and we, you know, despite what Smokey can't remember, I thought our preparation was pretty good uh, in Pakistan, playing against some pretty good players in their conditions. And we'd done really well against them as well. So, and I'd done quite, quite well personally in these warm-up games and stuff. So I wasn't actually that, that sort of nervous about going into that first game. Obviously you know, you want to try and put in a performance and, and, it, and obviously bowling to, to the guys you're bowling to um, can be quite intimidating. You know, it wasn't, if I'm honest, it wasn't personally the best debut anybody can ever have. I didn't bowl particularly well. Um, you know, I, I didn't get any runs, but we were part of a winning, a winning team and that was, that was really important. Um, you know, but to, to, to get an opportunity to go on and play at that level, you know, albeit clearly Scotland is a much higher level than England. Um, but, you know, just taking a, taking a step back for a moment and playing for England was pretty special. Um, yeah. But, you know, to, to get a win, especially the way we won, because it's, I don't know if, if, if Adam can remember, it was, it was, the game was in the balance all the way through. Tendulkar had batted amazingly. Well, that's what going to say, off, And then uh, Matthew Fleming. Oh, amazing. You know, he, he had played, he, 
you know, it looked like he was playing with one of these middling bats, you know, the thin bats you get. Yeah. He just didn't miss the middle of the bat. And then all of a sudden, he, he left his crease when the game was in the balance and, uh, to Matthew Fleming and, and got stumped, which was kind of bizarre. But, you know, it allowed us a, a, an in at the back end of the game. And, you know, Adam and, and the guys sort of finished the game off brilliantly. And we ended up winning, I think. I can't even remember the margin. It was about so seven runs or something. The was scores, it, was, was the scores, you boys batted first. You scored 250. Alex Stewart scored 116. And then yeah. India chased. They ended up on 2-4-3 with Tindoka 91. So that stumping probably wins you the game. Yeah. Yeah, oh, for sure. Yeah, and for sure. Skipper, you yeah, must I'm... be a bit nervous when Tindoka was going. It's a weird thing. I don't know about you, Doug, but um, I don't remember being particularly nervous at any stage throughout the tournament. Now, I don't think that's... And I think you alluded to that before. Considering it's your one-day international debut, I just think because we had such little support stuff, and the other thing we haven't even touched on here was the press weren't following it. Remember, there was no TV being being back into England. Yeah. Um, it just felt like it never felt like big games. It, it was um, like a, it was like a bunch of mates, a bunch of mates playing in a park. That's what yes. it's like taking on big teams, but we didn't care. Yes, and I, I, I felt like they were playing with the weight of their nation on the shoulders. Ours wasn't being being back to ours. And it's like we just a great a bunch of guys who just got on. I mean, if you'd put together a team of guys just to hang out and have fun, you wouldn't have gone far wrong. Like just, just for guys to just go away for a weekend, that'd be you'd have done pretty well. Everybody go, oh, you're happy with the way everybody got on. It was like it was pretty amazing. Like Doug, I remember we were singing songs on the way to the ground. We were like bloody football fans. We're we're, singing we're, that, that the proclaimers, wasn't it? The, 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 yeah. that, was that bloody proclaimers? We were singing that. I was like, bloody Dougie's got to sing in this Scottish song, like the five walk five hundred miles. He'd get up and do his solo, and people were just. And I, I think it. it I, I'm one thing, you know, like no one expected us to do well, including ourselves. So therefore, that's the one of the biggest um, pressures is usually the expectations exactly. you've got on yourself. So we just like we just go out there, and I remember the sort of theme of my when I talked to the team was. And I don't think this was particular because I was an amazing like psychologist or anything. I was just like, let's just do what we do, and everyone just do what they normally do for the county. Let's bolt. And if it works, it works. If it doesn't, no one's expecting us to do well anyway. So, and I think that was hmm. the angle we came from, and and it just kind of just gathered momentum, didn't it, Doug? Just as we went through. Yeah, and I, and I think it. That's a as an inexperienced player, international player, making his way sort of that, at that level of the game, I mean, it took any fear of failure off the table for me. Uh, you know, myself and uh, Matthew Fleming, we actually spoke about that. So there's actually, there's no fear of failure at all. And, and I, again, you know, massive credit to you for, for doing that and for allowing people to, to go and express themselves. That said, we, we knew that we had an incredible spine of a side, even though there was a lot of inexperience in the side, the, the spine of the side, you know, like Stewie, uh, phenomenal player, you know, either Ali Brown or Nick Knight would always get us off the start. Um, you know, Ely would always bowl brilliantly through the middle. Um, you know, Thorpey would always score his runs. You know, Dean Headley bowled brilliantly well all the way through the tournament. So we knew that there was always performance in there and everybody else who were, was slightly inexperienced at that level could just be encouraged to go and have the day. And all of us at some stage had a pretty decent game. And, and I think 
the, the amazing thing about that tournament, there wasn't one person that absolutely stood out as the, the main performer. Everybody contributed towards match winning performances, whether it was a, a wicket at the right time, a catch at the right time, a run out, whatever it was, somebody always pulled something out of the hat from somewhere to allow us to get ourselves across the line. I think that for me was the one thing that, that stood this team apart from a number of other teams that I've been involved in. Sounds like you were just one big happy family. You know, you were just you were just enjoying each other's company, which a happy player probably makes you, you know, when you're in a good headspace, you're probably going to play your best cricket. So you get the first win out of the way. Like you're saying, and both of you have said, you didn't really look back. You go into the West Indies game next. So I'll read the scores out to you just so you can refresh your memory. West Indies scored 197, which is obviously a bit of a dangling carrot. Um, and you boys got over the line. Carl Hooper, what a player, scored 100. Dougie Brown returns figures of two for 28. Well, bold, sir. Um, and Graham Thorpe hit 57 in the run chase. Talk to me about the game. Well, I, I, this is one thing I do remember about the tournament. This is one of my most vivid memories. Um, this is one of the games when Bumble actually had something to say at a team meeting because I think he'd been sick. Um, I'm not sure if he became sick after this or this. But I remember him saying... We'd, we'd been... Oh, actually, no, that might have been when we were on the tours of the West Indies. He talked about Philo Wallace. And Philo Wallace, he's the big whole... Big batsman. He's the big opening batsman uh, who could whack it. He said, you just run up and you bowl at the stumps and you bowl him out. And that's like... We were really like... Good. Well, it's, I said, that sounds pretty easy. Um, and then Doug came up, first ball, was it in the first over, and just bowled him out. It was exactly what we said. And then, um, so we, is this, this is the, uh, and then we, that was just bolded. So he got a wicket in his first, was it the second ball of the game? Or ball, third yeah, ball? First ball. First ball. First ball just ran up, bolted. And it was literally when Bumble said it in the team meeting, we were just like laughing as typical Bumble. <laughs> and then he, and Doug just ran up, bolted the stump and it bowled him out. And, um, and then I think Lara, Lara was out in the first over as well, wasn't he? Or was in the third over? Yeah, first over. Yeah, first over. None, well. none for two, yeah. Number two. So, and then from there, I think they just never recovered. I mean, Hooper scored 100, but he was always trying to hold the innings together. And with the way we, all our bowling attack, I mean, the attack was Headley and Brown would bowl hard and fast at the stumps early on. And then we just took the pace off with Holyoke, Elam, Croft in the middle overs with Jazz, with uh, Matthew Fleming as well. We all just did the same thing. Just tried to get the ball soft, bowled it straight, mixed our pace up didn't deviate from the plan. And we just basically said, over to you guys. And when Doug gets you off to start, Lara and, and Philo Wallace, who's probably their two most dangerous, as in big hitting batsmen, are out the way early on. They were always trying to get back in the game. And it only got harder as the um, innings went on out there. So the best time to bat was against the new ball. And then it would just get harder and harder and harder. So um, when you get off to a start like that, and that's, I think that's probably why they only got 197. So pretty much, probably, pretty much a match winning over, Dougie. Like, it was, you know, yeah, if, if you get those two wickets, that's 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 a job very much nearly in the bag. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's an amazing start, isn't it? You know, none for two after the first over, you know, after a, a sort of a winning debut, but a disappointing one personally, I guess. Uh, you know, to get a wicket straight away was was awesome. Um, you know, ran up, tried to swing it away, it just nipped back. <laughs> like, I don't know why, but hit the top of the stumps, caught uh, Phil Wallace on the crease. And then, 
Lara came out to bat. The first ball, he, again, same ball, really, but just a left hand. It was nipped across him, and, and he played and missed. And next ball, that I was trying to do uh, to the third ball what I was trying to do to the first two balls, and it did actually swing the way it was meant to swing, and it just hit him in front. So, yeah, I'm, I'm a dream star. I'm obviously two massive players for them. They'd be looking to these guys to get them off the start, which is kind of indicative of how they played their cricket over that period of time. You know, they went hard up front. Uh, they'd hoped to get, get a start. And with the two opening batters, and then Lara came on and, and, and took the game by the scruff of the neck. But, you know, Hooper, as well as he played, as, as Adam said, you know, he'd, he'd never really managed to, to get away from us at any stage because he was always trying to hold it together and trying to set up the back end. And, and these guys bowled magnificently when the ball was a little bit softer, pace off and, you know, Stewie up to the stumps and a, a fairly uh, straight field. And it was, it was hard work for, for these guys because you, you couldn't just hit it over the boundaries, you know. Although Sharjah is quite a small ground, once the, the, the shine goes off the new ball, it's actually a bit sticky. And so you have to hit it over the fielder's head. But if you've got wickets, you can't afford to take these options. Uh, and I think it you know, obviously served us pretty well moving forwards towards the back end of that game. Thorpe, 57. Not a bad player, Graham Thorpe. Good guy to have in a run chase. He's, um, I still, I mean, I still think he's one of England's greatest middle-order batsmen in one-day cricket. I mean, of any cricket, but in one-day cricket, his ability to manipulate spin was certainly something that me or most of the other guys in um, in the side weren't able to do through the 90s. Um, you know, to be able to sit back, play off the back foot, knock the ball square of the wicket, um, I think that's what the, he's... With, he was 20 years ahead of his time. Because they're only doing that now. Um, whereas I was just, I'd come out there, I'd be charging down the wicket, trying to whack it up to long on, long off for a single. And then um, getting, hitting the fielders two or three times and over and not going anywhere. Whereas Thorpe was able to sit back, lay the ball off square of the wicket and, um, and just manoeuvre the field. And that was, especially in those conditions, like Doug mentioned with the ball being a bit tackier, a bit softer, um, trying to whack the ball down to long on, long off, which I'd done my whole career in England. It was just you needed a change of plan, and he was he was the man to hold most of our innings in that sort of thing together. We all sort of worked around him, so um, he, he he was a maestro really. And, and although he never scored the big hundred, I think in the final he got us across the line, but um, he was key. And I think when I captained England and he was playing, I. When he wasn't playing, I felt like I was constantly looking for the player to be able to fulfil that role, and we and we never really could. Mm. He, was he was a great awesome player as well, as well which English players weren't always naturally suited to. Thorpe was very good at playing spin. You going to say something, Dougie? Yeah, just saying that again. He, he was amazing. Adam would have seen a lot more than of him play domestically than I did because he, the teammates at Surrey. But but the one thing about Thorpe is as as. He, as good as he was at, at manipulating, getting singles, he also had boundary options in him as well. So, you know, any, you couldn't stop that single because if you brought a man in the field of gap, he just hit it over the head or he'd hit it to where they've just brought the man from. You know, so he had that confidence in his own ability to hit boundaries. It wasn't, he wasn't going to bludgeon sixes like some of the other guys in the squad, like Adam or, you know, some of the other guys. But, but actually, with regards to just being smart, about, actually a little bit like how Kane Williamson bats these days, you know, he gets, yeah. gets strike straight away. And then when he needs to hit a boundary, he can do it easily. 
And you look at his strike rate at the end of the game, I know strike rates have changed over the last 10 years or so, but you look at Thorpe's strike rate relative to the best players in the world at that time, and he was comparable with every single one of them. And you wouldn't have said that he was somebody, you wouldn't say he was that type of player, but actually the way he performed was exactly of that type of player. You know, he was a, he was a power batter. He was a, an older style power batter just because he rotated strike whenever he wanted and hit the boundary as and when the game required. Amazing, amazing figure. I agree. Fantastic, fantastic batsman across all formats. I think he would have been pretty handy at T20 as well. Maybe not with the sixes, but, you know, there's, there's, like you say, he manoeuvres the field very well. Two out of two, quietly now maybe starting to think, oh, we might be able to, we might be able to do something here. The next game, I wouldn't have been supporting you in any shape or form <laughs> um, because you were going in to play against Pakistan. Um, you batted first, left a bit of a dangle, dangling carrot yourselves, 215. Not, you know, 250, I would say, back then was a big score. Would you agree? Like, now it's 330 plus, but 250 was the benchmark back then. So how are you feeling you know, batting-wise, I didn't actually jot down who scored runs in that game, do you remember? Or was it, bit, again, everybody chipped in? Oh, I can't remember. I, I, you can you remember, yeah, I can't remember. Who scored runs? I, I, think, I think the fact that we can't remember probably just suggests that it was another chip-in performance. Um, yeah, I think that was pretty much... I remember Stu getting 100 in the first game and Thorpe getting a couple of scores. But other than that, the whole tournament was just people chipping in with runs. That, I mean, that's that's the year. It was 100 for Stewie in the first game. And then I think Thorpe scored a 50 in that second game and a 50 in the final. And after that, you kind of, there's just people getting 20s and 30s and just helping one another out and putting little partnerships together. So um, I don't I don't remember any particular partnership in that game. Nah. That, I mean, we, what did we score? 200. 2-1-15. The other thing is, I'm assuming out of the three, this was the strongest bowling attack you would have come up against. Yeah, the Pakistan and bowling attacks always. I don't know about you, Doug, but I was like, they always they, they always had like fast bowlers or guys who were spinning in a direction that I didn't know which way it was. So I was like, like I didn't mind playing against um, you know the good medium fast. We had guys who were either bowling thunderbolts and blowing your feet off, or putting one in your ear or blowing your toe off. Or then they were running up bowling doosers and things which I'd never even heard of. So it was like the Pakistan attack was always... If our attack was consistent and reliable and accurate and bowled to a plan, their attack wasn't. But it was like fast, reverse swinging, spinning both directions. Uh, it was like they had their, their game plan. I mean, if, if I, honestly, if I'd been captain my game plan would be completely different with that bowling attack than if I had Dean Hadley, Dougie Brown, Mark Elam, Adam Pollyoke and Matthew Fleming. It's uh, it's uh, with all due respect, these guys are fantastic cricketers, but those Pakistanis were, oh God. I mean, if our team meetings were, if I had the concentration to make them last as long as they should have gone on for two hours because you're trying to like work out what they're doing. And I was like, Incredible, incredible bunch of individuals. And that's what they were, a bunch of individuals. And, and also as well, you remember Sharjah, it's got, it's got a very small square. So you're only using two pitches. So game on game, the pitches are getting more a little bit more tired. They, they maybe don't deteriorate like they do in the UK, but they're certainly getting more tired. You've got the likes of Waz, Waz and Makram, who 
you know, relishes these conditions, you know, getting the ball reverse swing and a genius of reverse swing and, and angles and lengths. And then Saclane, who spins it both ways like a top um, at will, you know, the, the rest of their attack was just, it was phenomenal, really. Um, and, and, you know, in, in conditions that absolutely suited them down to the ground. You know, it certainly suited them much more than it suited us. So I guess to yeah. get across the line in that game was, was a hell of an, you know, it was a, a hell of a performance from us. Well, they didn't, they didn't clearly know what hit them because uh, they got rolled for 207. You came to the party, Skipper, two for 35, nibbling them away, your little slow balls, those Yorkers you get in, even seeing you bowl a bouncer at Michael Bevan. You had it all, you had it all mate. But you're bowling, <laughs> at some, you're, you're bowling at some decent players. Side Anwar got 54. You know, what a player. What a player for them. But, you know, was it just a matter of sticking in? For that, for that second innings, just keep plugging away. Uh, I think it was just that. I think it was. Um, I, I'm flattered by your um, words to describe my bowling, mate. But I, I, that's not how I describe it. I describe it as like a confident club cricketer. I was like, uh, my bowling was literally like, if you saw me bowl. I mean, my mates. I play against my mates in the backyard, and and they'd be like. Yeah, I don't know how you managed to. How are you playing international cricket ball? And I'm like, I don't know. It's. Um, I said that I think the difference is, and Dougie's probably. Dougie had a bit of pace and, and a bit of bounce and had a good action and stuff like that. But I didn't have any of that. But the thing we both come as both of us had in 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 common, and, and I've sort of thought about this in retirement. I've had time to think about it. My mates would be like, "You're just a club cricketer. How did you play international cricket?" And I'd be like, yeah, yeah, I am. I'm just a club cricketer. But let's put let's put 20,000 people in here. Let's put the world's media there and a television camera and let's play for some money and then we'll see how we go. So I think Dougie was a very similar cricketer to that as well. Like he put a bit of pressure and those guys on that tour were all very similar. Matthew Fleming, like, wow, Dougie, um, Dean Headley, Mark Elam, these guys are just... They're not rock star kind of guys who, you know, they, they, they didn't have, they never had the Kevin Peterson skunk haircut or they didn't have fancy tattoos. But these guys are tough, you know. They like turn up and they, they're not, they're not, they didn't get phased by playing the best players in the world. Though. They didn't like, I don't care who you are. They just came out and they played and they did what they do day in, day out for Kent, Warwickshire. And um, they're tough guys. So the, the funny uh, thing, I Smokes, the funny thing about this, I remember speaking to Ely about this, and Ely, Mark Elam was always somebody who was always like, <laughs> after the event, always oh, my, yeah, I just, I just hit Wazimakram for four, or whatever it was, or he's played an amazing shot, or, or bought a, an absolute beauty to get rid of somebody, and he liked to talk about it, talk himself down after the event, you know, so yeah. plays, plays it all down, but at the, in that moment, right, he's the strongest guy you want on the yeah. field, you just know 100%. that you've got performance, it's amazing, absolutely incredible, but away from the performance element of it, he just plays it all down, doesn't get too carried away. And I think that the one thing about that whole side was exactly that. Nobody got carried yeah. away with Humble, very humble. The, the impression very. I'm getting here is very, very humble, feet in the ground, enjoying each other's company. And just, just like you said at the start, a bunch of mates coming together for a tour and just playing bloody good cricket on the pitch. That made you, that made you three from three. And then the very unexpected final... So Pakistan and India are done. Their tournament's over. Tipped probably one of, like you say, one of those two to win it. And here you have West Indies 
and the No Hope England team that nobody gave a, a hope to, no media, nothing, no interest, and here you are in the final. Did you get a few phone calls from any media at that point, Skipper? Ah, we, were, we were having too much fun winding the media up. I think this is sort of give you an insight into um, how relaxed these guys were under the pressure. Was I'd go up to speak to the world's media. After, well, when I say the world's media, the English media weren't there. So I'd go up and speak to all the Asian contingency or the other media from around the world. I'd go and speak to them. And these idiots would give me a word to get into my after-match speech. So, and I know you would think of me like, they might give me something like off-cutter like, or... Rhinoceros. Or yeah, it'd be like, they get, get the word rhinoceros in there. I'm like, how the hell do you get <laughs> rhinoceros into an after-game speech? So, and then it was like, oh, well, I said, you've got to give me something more cricket-related. So then they're like, sore balls. I'm like, you can't put... This is like PG. This is meant to be put PG. So I'm like, it's... Uh, so the whole thing sort of took on... a. We were like a bunch of club cricketers and we kind of just, I think we played up to that a little bit and we and we just literally played it like we were going and playing for our clubs um, and took the pressure out of it and just went along with it. And somehow or other, like Doug said, the momentum started and it just it didn't seem like it was going to stop, did it, Doug? It felt like we wanted the tournament to go on. So... Um, yeah, I mean, honestly, yeah. I, I reckon at that stage we could have played against anybody. You could have brought yeah. a, a whole bunch, especially bring bring any of the teams, any of the, the, the world sides, and I reckon we can give them a decent game, a decent run for them. Well, we would believe we would have. Because, again, we, exactly, that's the thing. Whether we would or wouldn't, but to be fair, you, you can only beat who, you get, who you're up against. And, and beating the likes right. of Pakistan and, and India in the backyard, I think that's testament to, to the type of cricket we were playing. Dougie, you start also, the tournament. Sorry, Adam. And let's not forget, um, we haven't even mentioned that we left our best, some of our best players behind. Like, Goffey didn't come. Caddick didn't come. Um, Atherton didn't come. Uh, I'm not saying that in those conditions. I mean, Goffey would have been, would have been good in those conditions. But, Amazing. Um, yeah. um, but wasn't our normal one day side these guys didn't come not because they weren't picked they were they just said oh we're not going we're just gonna have a rest that had a we just played um well, we played the ashes didn't we so we just played six mm. test matches against australia and three one day internationals so it was a really hard summer and then we had to like go i think a month after getting back from Sharjah, we had to then go and do five test matches and five one day internationals in um, in the West Indies so it was they basically these guys just said we're not going well we're not we're not going he just got rested it was yeah. a modern day right, right it was the beginning of sort of from rotation so we we people forget that that wasn't even our best side so I mean as it happened I wouldn't have I wouldn't have changed any of the players that we had there but um I before we left my saying my the psychology is that, that wasn't our best side that we had available Hence why media, etc., probably just Didn't thought, go. well, they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna get pumped and uh, we don't really want to be part of it. But they, I bet bet a few of them regret that over the years. So Dougie, you started the tournament as a debutant. You would never have probably pictured or visualized at that point. Maybe you did, but by the sounds of talking to you guys, you didn't have big, big expectations. You just wanted to do what you could on the day and see how things went. You're now playing in a final of the Sharjah Cup against West Indies, 
How are you feeling going into the game? Again, full of confidence, I suppose, because why wouldn't be? You know, we've just won. We've just won these matches, three matches. We're we're on a roll. Uh, we're playing against a team that we've already beaten, and um, you know what, what is it to fear? Everybody's playing good cricket. Uh, went into the game. I think we ended up. I think we bowled first. Uh, I remember opening yeah, the ball. First. West Indies yeah. two, three, five for seven. Yeah, Sheffield I, I do. Paul seventy six. I do remember running in and bowling, and um, I think it was Stuart Williams just kept pumping me over my head. I was like, "What's going on here? This isn't going to. This isn't going to the way it was supposed to go." I think I bowled five overs for thirty odd, and I didn't really bowl badly. I just they were just kept whacking it. It's just you know, it's the wrong length. The same in the Pakistan game. You know, I'd, I'd bowled the ball into Saeed Amwar, who was a gun player, and I bowled five balls top of the stumps, hit the splice. And I remember after the fifth one, Saeed Amwar just nodded his head. And the next ball went straight over my head, straight over the sight screen, straight into the stand. And I was like, okay, you, you've got to remind yourself that you're playing international cricket against guys who are, are you know, serious players. Um, and I think, you know, had, had that been now, you'd probably change what you bowl, but it was kind of, you know, you bowl on top of the stumps, you, you're doing what, it's just not working. Like, you know, <laughs> no idea about bowling an angle or a slow ball or changing your field. You know, we probably weren't quite, we, we were probably there in the middle of us. But up front, I, I probably wasn't there at that stage. But it was, um, yeah, I mean, going into the game, we're full of confidence. And um, it's just unfortunate for me that I didn't, I didn't quite manage to, to come away from the final, having covered myself in glory. But we won the tournament, which is the main thing. So I'm right the thing here. Is saying, that, yeah, sorry, mate. So the thing is, though, like Doug's saying there, like, oh, you know, I didn't cover myself in the final. It's like, Right, five overs, in, and I'm not here to try and say you didn't. I'm not. I'm, it's probably not your best game in that tournament. But what the one thing that I stand by in this in this whole particular tournament was when people had, like we said, no one, you know, like Alex scored a hundred, and there was a couple of other fifties, and then everyone else just chipped in. So there wasn't any outs. Like no bowler took five for thirty either. Like throughout the, so there was just good performance. You know, Dougie two for the, you know here and two there i got two there and blah 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 people just chipping in but more importantly there was no bad performance you go through that every every four games that we played no one bowled seven overs for 60 it was like people just if they went i mean he's saying i did badly they we said the best time to bat was up front and he's bowled five overs for what 34 it's, it's still, it's like, it's not disastrous. What I'm saying, we, and, and you bowl those at the time when it's, we knew that was going to be the hardest time to bowl. So it's okay. It's not Mr. Dougie Brown. I'm getting two wickets in my first over. Like, you know, it's not, um, you know, that stuff, but it's <laughs> what I'm saying is you haven't uh, got a, oh, it's good. It's not thanks, a, thanks, mate. It's not a disaster. It's like five over 35, but you know, you feel like you haven't done, but it's still, it's, we knew. It was getting harder as it went along. So as long as someone didn't bowl four overs for sixty or something like that, we knew we would drag it back. So we, mm -hmm. you know, like Dino had the games when he didn't, yeah. you know, didn't kill it either. So it was just the hardest time to bowl. So I think everyone appreciated the job that those guys did up front for us. You know, you mentioned it at the start, both of you. It was a tournament where somebody every game put their hand up. You look at it, there was no one or two people that you're like. Well, they won England that tournament. You're, it was a total squad and team effort. Clear to see. You go into the chase. 
Thorpe comes to the party again. Potentially, yeah, he was a standout player. He, he played he played two two important knocks against the Windies. Obviously, in a final to turn up is always going to help. But there wasn't an easy chase. I mean, a final to chase two, three, five must have been some squeaky bums as you as you went out to chase that. Yeah, I thought I I thought we'd done. I I I hold my hands up. Um, I thought we were gone at one stage. I can't. I got out, and we still had a long way to go. And then I, I think Thorpey and Jazza, I think, got Jazza. us across the line. Yeah. yeah. yeah I think and we needed about 75 of 10 overs. And which I was, was like, bloody hard. That's that, I mean, that doesn't, softball. That, that doesn't... Now, 75 of 10 these days is probably a cakewalk. But then 75 of 10, big boundaries, sticky ball, wicket. Yeah. Don't forget we used one ball in those days. So we had one ball that was soft, the same colour as the wicket. They had, like... Hooper just bowling into the, uh, it was, yeah. it was it was hard work. It was real, and I be honest, I thought I'm not. I'm usually always optimistic. I thought I think we're struggling here. We're mm-hmm. against it, and I think that was it. That um, what was that guy's name? Dougie, um, that leggy Raul Lewis. Raul Lewis. He started bowling noies, didn't he? Or someone yeah. started bowling, but then they and then we started like, I mean, this is this is literally the ultimate club cricketers that we were. I remember I started shouting shit out onto the pitch like a clubby, <laughs> like, you know, like, bring him on at both ends and just like shouting stuff out. There's only 20 people in the crowd, so it's echoing around the ground. And um, and we were just, we were just literally like just guys out there and, and people, we started laughing and then people are like shouting out. We're cheering as Thorpey and Jazza start getting, and then we say, he's bowled another no. And then they started throwing over throws, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. They started doing, like and they, the wheels. they the wheels mate, came off. Mate, I, the remember. Wheels, the wheels I remember. Off, mate. Was, the gas was in the choking big time. <laughs> <laughs> I remember though. I remember sitting waiting to bat. So I was batting after Jazz. Jazz was, I think Jazz batted seven. I was batting eight. Who's Jazz? I don't know. Uh, Matthew Fleming. Matthew Fleming. Okay. Matthew. Yeah. Sorry. Um, so so Fleming was batting seven, and it, and he came in and got together with Thorpe. And I remember sitting, thinking, right, come on, like just just get across the line here. But if if we lose a wicket. We've still got this, and I, I know, you know, I, I know when you. It's funny when you when you're out. It's almost yeah. like, well, you know, you, you probably think actually we're not going to. But that that was a confidence that we had in the side because I I still back myself to go out there and, and to play in some kind of a little innings, you know, a little cameo to get twenty or twenty five uh, to get us across the line in a partnership. And I think at that stage, you know, Thorpey was playing unbelievably well. So as as much as we said he was amazing at, at straight rotation. He just came to the party, making angles, like thumping over extra cover, over square legs, scooping it and all sorts. And then Matthew Fleming was just carving it to all parts. And he must, I don't know how many Jazz got, he probably got 30 odd off about 17 or 18 balls. Um, and just, well, he was a perfect foil for, for Thorpey in that, in that partnership, which, you know, as we all know, it was, it was a bloody tough chase, you know, 70 odd of 10. With a when, I'm, when, I'm, when I'm saying I thought we were gone, I'm not saying that because I didn't back any of the people in our side. And no, you're no, right. No, no. No. So when, you're, when, you're, when you're out, you're right when you say when you're out. Like, literally, I don't know. There's something wrong with me. I, you know, I think my, I was deprived of oxygen at first. <laughs> but every time, every time I got out in a game, I just thought, that's it. We're going to lose. Yeah. Like, it was like, you're right. It's true. Because you know there's nothing you can do. It's out of your hands. But, exactly. And it's nothing. To, I mean, we still had... Dougie, who else do we have to come? We still uh, have, do we have Ely? Ely? Uh, no, Crofty. Ely was out. Crofty. Uh, Ely, Crofty. Yeah. There was myself, Crofty. Um, yeah. 
they were still had guys who could hold a bat. So it wasn't yeah. like they were like, no. it wasn't like Crofty's no mug. Crofty no. can bat. I think that, the, I mean, the point I was making the smokes is, is the fact that like that confidence, it's sort of the confidence was, was all the way through the tournament. You know, it started mm. off well, you get on a roll and actually irrespective of how experienced or inexperienced you are as an international player, you still believe that you were going to do something because that was the nature of the tournament. Somebody always stood up and did something that maybe wasn't expected or maybe wasn't what they what they used to doing, but somebody did it. And yeah. I think that was a, yeah. that's the point of making it. It's more about the fact that there was still this amazing amount of belief, even in a, in a position that ordinarily you probably wouldn't expect to get across the line. And then all of a sudden, just the pressure just completely flipped on its head. And all of a sudden, yeah. West Indies were the ones who are just absolutely you know, just couldn't do anything right. And we just saw this amazing role. And again, that team spirit came again when, when all of us were just sort of clapping and shouting and all that sort of stuff. And I, I think it showed you just exactly where we were at as a, as a bunch of individuals or, or as a group of men coming together just for one cause. The only thing that was important was winning the game. It didn't matter who did it or when they did it. It was just the fact that that was what we were there to do. And it's, and it's the fear of failure that, that I... My oh, England career, my England career was, um, I saw it too many times from our perspective where guys in our side just choked under the pressure because the other sides, I always felt like the other sides weren't under the same microscope that we were. Um, and at that moment in that tournament out there, it was just nice for once to be in a side where I looked at the other sides and thought, these guys are putting more pressure on themselves than we are. And for most England sides, every England other side I've been out with to play in, it always we put more pressure on ourselves than, than the opposition. Like every time you played Australia, you always felt like we're all playing for our careers and those guys are just out there having a game with their mates. So it was so nice to, for once, at international cricket, be just sitting there going, I'm just playing a game of cricket with my mates. <laughs> and I'm laughing at the fact these guys on the other side we're playing against, they're playing for their careers. Look at us, we're just a bunch of clubbies. And we're just like... Um, it, it, was, it was just a really unique, I never experienced that again in my time playing for England. So um, it was like a really unique and it's a, it was a nice to have go through my career. And when I look back on it, that's the one time when I go, wow, if we could play every time you play for your country, you could play, have guys around you who played with that freedom, you'd win a hell of a lot of games. I agree. It was, um, I remember the tournament well. Um, hence why I wanted to bring it together because I could remember the whole thing leading into it. You know, you were not expected to do anything. I could tell that when I got both of you on this podcast, you would be talking a lot about the team morale because it does strike me, looking in from the outside, there's just a bunch of guys who are loving each other's company, you know, all prepared to fight for the cause. And, you know, that, that's a good recipe for success. You win the Sharjah Cup, 1997, you know, did you come home to a hero's welcome? Was it a rooftop bus? <laughs> nah. Is that, is that, I'll tell you a little bit more about that. Before we, before we got home, before we got home, it was hilarious because we were leaving and I, I'm sure Adam probably doesn't remember this, but I'll tell you why he doesn't remember it. We got, we were leaving at like four in the morning and then Grav was, David Graveney, the manager was like, okay, your bag's got to be downstairs. You're going to be packed up. We're leaving, you know, we got, we're leaving it as late as we can to leave. And, uh, <laughs> everybody's downstairs like really worse for wear because we haven't slept and we've we've obviously gone and celebrated the night and uh but everybody was packed um <laughs> there's no captain 
So where is the captain? Like, okay, somebody's got to go knock on his door. <laughs> he's in his room. I'm not sure if he had any clothes on, but he's lying in his bed like, like absolutely. All his clothes were still like just as he were, oh as he were oh before he went to the game. Packed up, and then we went to we eventually got him. We got him packed up and on the bus, and we get to the the old Charger Airport, and uh, we're all a bit worse for wear. And we're checked in, and and <laughs> the next thing we see, we see Adam. Going, you know that where you put your, your luggage on the yeah. on the carousel when you check it in. We see, we see him coming in and going around, going out again, coming in amongst all these bags. He'd fallen asleep on the carousel. Oh my god! In in and out of the carousel, just about to be dumped onto the aircraft. Skipper, any comments? No, that's that's true. Um, um, I'm thumping on one of the few England captains have seen the other side of the baggage carousel at, um, at Dubai. <laughs> so it's, um, but it's amazing that, you know, when we, if I, I unfortunately have bumped into Dougie many times since um, I left cricket and he's gone off doing his coaching jobs all around the world. And well, I bump it, but the funny thing is when we get, we never talk about the cricket. There's like, remember when we talk about stuff that happened off, remember um, Mark Elam, he grabbed Matthew Fleming was sitting there reading his book and there was always a little bit of tension between Jazza and, um, and Mark Elam as in good banter, but they're always just at each other. Matthew Fleming's reading his book on the sun lounger by the pool and Mark Elam just picked up his, uh, the one end of his sun lounger and wheeled him into the pool. Jazza just sort of went blah, 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 carried on reading his book as he went down. So everyone just like, they thought that was hilarious. And, and then, Matthew Fleming is probably one of the greatest tourists of all time because, you know, if that was me, if someone did something to me, I'm getting out the pool and I'm trying to get him back in the next half an hour. Well, Matthew Fleming's on another level intellectually. He goes and um, finds out what room Mark Elam's in. He goes, gets into the room, gets Mark Elam's um, tour trousers, which have been the only time we wore the tour trousers on the way flying into Dubai. And flying out, so he gets them, gets them, sends them away to housekeeping, and has them taken up. Oh, oh yeah, by but not just by an inch, by like about four or five inches. Four, four or five inches. So he he gets them taken back, puts the belt back in, puts the coins in the pocket. So so we get to the morning of flying out, and um, Ely goes to pull his trousers. <laughs> he pulls them up. He's got you know they're like knickerbockers now. They're like. <laughs> It's, but it's just things like that with them. We, we we talk back. No one says, "Oh, remember that great delivery we bowled to get like side are out." Or it's like all we talk about. It's like literally like a stag weekend. So um, we just talk about for the proclaimers singing the proclaimers on the bus. They're the things that I remember. I don't remember. I could not tell you how many wickets I got or how many. I just remember that those those little side stories. Um, when we went to the official function at the end, we were all singing songs and all the other teams were looking over like, these guys are dead set clubbies, aren't they? <laughs> so um, we, it's like, it, it was quite funny to just play that. We played up to the role. Yeah. Gentlemen, it's been an absolute pleasure. You've um, you've excelled, you know, the, the memory started, the memory, your memory started opening up as we started getting into it. Um, Adam and, uh, and, and Dougie, 
you know, you seem to remember a little bit more of the actual playing side of things. The skipper was slowly... I haven't been punched as many times as him. <laughs> that's true. That's true. That's true. Um, but it's been a pleasure. Thank you for joining me from, from all over the world. Um, I'm sure people will thoroughly enjoy this. I'm sure a few of your old teammates from that tour will manage to have a watch and they, they'll enjoy listening to some of these stories. Hang on for a few seconds more, but uh, thank you very much for joining me, chaps. Cheers, Shaky. Pleasure, mate. Hey.